0: The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.
1: Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is your boy Robert Marshall. Listen, I am excited about this evening. Listen, this is gonna be bananas. Um, I don't know what to expect today. Uh I don't I don't know what this, to expect. This is gonna be interesting. This is gonna be very interesting. Um, I'm excited to have uh he's he's so many things. He's been an amazing man in my life. Um, I'm honored to have him on the show um this evening. So before we get started, please like. Please share. Please subscribe, um, because tonight it's going to be popping. It's going to be funny. Um, this guy, he is um, not only a ch- the chief of police. He's a preacher. He's a father. He's a mentor. Um, he's so many things to so many different people. And I'm glad that he found it not robbery. Be a little churchy. Found it not robbery to be um, on the I Am Man podcast uh, this evening. So everyone, please, please, please. Help me welcome by giving me some hearts, some likes, some shares, no other than the one and only Chief uh, Dion Campbell. Yo, what's up, Officer Campbell? Wow. Good to have you, Chief Campbell.
2: Thank uh, thank you so much, Robert. Robert, it's an honor uh, to be here with you tonight on the I Am Man podcast. Um, You know, I think the world of you, um, it's just been an honor and a pleasure um, that since God have connected us together. And uh, for me, it's the realization of everything that I've done in my lifetime to find someone who can be poured into and can take it to the next level. And I'm just, uh, first of all, I just want to say how proud I am of you. Um, I I think you're a brilliant young man, and uh, I'm just excited. Thank you for inviting me tonight. No,
1: thank you for being on tonight. Listen, I'm excited that everybody uh, is here, um, and you have done so many things in your life. Um, Dion, and I just want to capture um just a little bit of your story and who you are and what you do. So I'm not going to prolong. But I, uh, I'm, I'm like I said before, I'm kind of nervous to hear what you have to say because you know, hey, you, you, you know, you have some people who you just interviewed. And you have some people who know all your stuff. So I'm excited. Right. Um, Dion is definitely somebody that um, I, I love, I trust, and I count to be a father, a mentor, um, all that that's needed in whatever season I'm in. We've been walking together now for almost what? How many years now? About no, four or five? About four or four, five
2: six. years. Four, four or five. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, let me say this to you, Robert. Uh, as much as you feel I've given to you, you've given to me also. And I think our relationship is a sign for manhood development and different generations Uh, Because one of the things I know is that I'm very clear about who I am and what I'm called to do. And um, I understand that, that this time frame in which we're living in is given to this generation. You guys were born for such a time as this. And one of the ways that I have stayed relevant is by God connecting me to you, and upgrading me in many levels so that I can remain relevant and give my portion. I think I'm a foundational piece. And one of the things that I understand about men is if you don't have the voice of a man, because men give identity. um, One of the things that I'm graced to be able to do is to speak into the lives of men and tell them who they are. And because I've come out of fracturedness, I've come out of dysfunctionality. I've come out of, Um, situations that, that where the, where life just tried to destroy me. And I was fortunate to have a father who got, who received salvation in his later years to speak into me and to tell me who I was despite his own dysfunctionality. And I think that that's, what's important for this generation. Um, This is the most gifted generation I have ever seen in my life. And it's designed to be like that for, for the season in which we're in. But one of the things, uh, across the board and globally is the lack of fatherlessness um, in our world today. And I think that's one of the biggest issues with men is that nobody has spoke authoritatively and lovingly into their lives and told them who they are. And so I think that our relationship is a symbol for many. Um, there's no domination here. Everything is just um, out of the right motives yeah, and everything gonna is done to do. voluntarily. You Go ahead and
1: tell me what to do. <laughs> right, <laughs> no man. But I'm I'm excited to have you on, man. I want to kind of jump in. I want to introduce um, our new series here um, about relationships and situationships. Oh, now, now this is a sticky uh, uh, situation. Now, uh, we we do you know we we are Christian, but we're not necessarily Christian only Christian platform. So when I talk about relationships, most Christians automatically. Point to marriage, and um, I want to cover uh, a little bit more than marriage because everybody out there isn't married. That's number one, and two. Right. I found out that a lot of people don't even think that marriage is necessary for now, for for days. You know, it's it's almost like you know why why marry when you can just live with each other and 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 have a good time. So you know that's that's the stance for a lot of people, and um, I want to jump right in. So my, I think my first question for you, um, because I always kick off this, uh, podcast by asking, what is your definition of a man?
2: My definition of a man, I think, I think that manhood is the ultimate level of partnership between God and any entity in the earth. Uh, for me, manhood means responsibility. If you look at, at God's original intentions, Uh, The first thing he created was not a church, but he created a man, he created family life. And that was his original intention. And I always go back to that. So for me, manhood represents responsibility and stewardship, not only over his own life, uh, the life of his wife and children, but it's stewardship over the purposes of God. And, And for me, the simplest definition of manhood is the ability to steward the will of God in the earth. That's the greatest responsibility given unto him.
1: So when you mean steward, break that down for me. What do you mean by steward?
2: What what I mean by steward is, is the ability to manifest God's will in the earth realm. I believe that my wife is a gift to me. I believe that my life is a gift that my children are a gift and it's my responsibility. Every God gives every man a world. And our responsibility is to build that world and everything that he brings into that world, man has to steward. And and so uh when I my wife for me is about purpose. Of course I love her, of course I think she's fine. My God, she's fine. But anyway, she's, she's beautiful. Um, she is beautiful. Yeah, she's fine. But I have a responsibility to create a canopy over her life that allows her to grow and become everything that God has determined her to be, as well as my children. I have to create a world that's big enough where everything that God has given me is able to flow, it's able to function, um, it's able to bring life, and it's able to execute purpose in the earth. So that's what I mean by, by steward. Whatever God has for me, I'm responsible to manifest it in the earth realm because I'm in partnership with God. And that's what manhood is. It's the ultimate level of partnership in the earth.
1: Okay, that's love. Um. So, how Deon? How long have you been married? Because from hearing what you're saying, you obviously believe um in marriage. You obviously believe Mm -hmm. that marriage um is necessary. So, I'm interested to know. You know. You know. One. How long have you been married? Um. And why do you think marriage is still even relevant?
2: Um. I've been married for 27 years. Whoa. Wait a minute. And uh, stop there. 27 years. I'm only 30. Right, right. 27 years. And um, it's been very interesting. And and please understand, as we begin to talk, this is difficult for me. Um, My generation was taught never to talk about such things. We were taught to just handle business when you get hit with things just to deal with them. And so this level of transparency that I'm getting ready to give you tonight is very uncomfortable for myself as many Uh, And many people in in my generation. Um, I've, I've been married for 20 years and I think it's absolutely necessary. My marriage literally ministers to people on a regular basis just by by looking at my family, looking at the way that I treat and love my wife. Um, looking at how I build life is an absolute witness for many people. Most people, I've never told them that I was a minister or, or that I was saved. I, I don't even talk about such things, but I just live. And, and my marriage has been a symbol to many, um, and particularly in the black community, because there was a time in my city where there were not very many uh, saved black couples. And it was amazing, you know, as the years kept going and going, people looked at that as a minor miracle. And I think it's very relevant uh, to today's society. Family fabric, again, is God's original intention uh, for life. And uh, people need to see that. If, If you think about it, most of the dysfunctionalities that people have today come From not having a quality family, either the father was missing, they didn't have uh, the proper structures in their home, uh, life was difficult, and it all revolves around the family. And I think the same it is today. We have a very highly gifted uh, generation, uh, very intellectual generation but a lot of them came forth out of situations because people no longer value marriage. People no longer value fatherhood. They they don't value uh, family-type structures anymore. And this is a very me-oriented s- society where people have been doing it on their own for so long and it's caused some deep hurts and some deep issues and insecurity. I've seen some of the most talented people in this generation, yet I've seen some of the most dysfunctional people um, that have been birthed in this lifetime. Once you begin to dig and get beyond the surface of people and their clear articulation and in their intellect, you begin to realize how dysfunctional they really are. And They hide behind their giftings and their talents when deep down they're they're still very um, immature inwardly. They still have a lot of childlike ways. They haven't grown in a lot of ways. And I think that's a direct impact on not having a quality family life, and that's not to say this because you w- come out of a perfect married situation that everything's going to be well, but statistically, you're going to come out a lot better if you you uh, come come out of a family life that has a mother and a father and some type of a structure.
1: So, do you think the purpose of marriage is just for what? The just what,
2: what? for? for 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 me the pur- the purpose of marriage is God's purpose. Um I think we don't see that at the beginning, you know, th- when I first met my wife, I wasn't thinking about purpose. I saw
1: Come her. on, what uh, what you see? Cuz I think Mother Campbell just came on. So <laughs> Oh <what>? Jesus. I,
2: <laughs> I you know, I I met my wife at the club. And and I wasn't saved what? when when I met her and I listen I was, we, she was at a uh, college at Eastern Illinois University and I was at Indiana State University and I'd actually gotten in a fight that night. I uh, fought an entire fraternity and they were looking for me. And so I had to get away that night and I ended up going to this place called E.L. Crackers in Charleston, Illinois. And that's when I, I met my wife and I looked at her and I was like, my goodness, you know, I was hiding. I was on the run when I met my wife and I wasn't saved at that time. And at that point I was not thinking about purpose. OK, I was thinking about other things with up uh, with most men my age were thinking Whoa, about what 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 are most what were most men in your age thinking about? Come on, man. She was fine. And, come, you, know, I was, you know, come, come on. on, man. This is here. This is the right. Iron Man podcast. This is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. Right. Right. And 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 that's what I was looking at. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought she was beautiful. It was right up my alley. Uh, she was intelligent. Um, she had a career. She was modeling. And um, it, uh, it it was very good time. Um, but then when I met Christ, my entire mentality changed. And I literally broke up with my wife at that time. Once I met Christ, I tried to leave her. And I, and I told God, look, the, you know, she was she was flying everywhere, getting ready to explode in the modeling scene. And uh, after I got saved, we both ended up getting baptized in Lake Michigan, my father baptized us in Lake Michigan, and um, um, I literally at first I said, "God, if this ain't the one for me, I'll let her go. I'm done with it." And I tried to get out of it, but God brought her back into my life, and I realized that she was the one. How do we get on this subject? How you? Listen, how, what are you, Oprah? Listen, I'm trying to get there. You know,
1: I'm I'm, I'm trying right. to get there. Yo, so right. I, you just ran by. So you meant your – because I, I got to break this thing down, and right. I appreciate your transparency. I know okay. you guys are in ministry and you're doing your thing. So, number one, mm-hmm. you met your wife while you were – oh, I, I know I'm going to pay for this later, y'all. I see this look on his face. But you met your wife outside uh, in the club, right, in the club, and you married you, – you guys got in a relationship. So do you believe – that people can meet their, that say folks can meet their uh, significant others outside of church? Oh, man.
2: Oh, in, welcome. In, in salvation, I would say, I'm not going to say that you can't meet them, but I think once you're in salvation, there's a different set of standards that, and rules that you have to go by. And notice what i told you. When I met her, I was not saved. And the reasons that I pursued her were what most unsaved people look look at is I thought she was beautiful. I thought she was intelligent, uh, you know, and I I fell in love with her. And that's all I needed right there. You know, she just uh, it, it was just someone who I really, really loved and really respected and really admired. But I think once you get in salvation, you can have conversation with people. But there's going to be too much contention if you try to marry someone who is not walking and and understanding what you understand. Right. You got to be on the same path. Right. Correct. Got to be going the same direction. Absolutely. So I think that's one of the tricks of the enemy um, to to be in salvation, but to look at the wrong things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a a lot of times men and women, um, because. Well, let me break this down. Let me break. Come on, break it down. I I think that prior to getting married, and this was where a lot of my issues came in. People have a desire for their deepest needs to be met. Mm -hmm. Okay, their deepest needs. And then they whatever they don't have in their life, they look for someone else to fulfill. Now hear me now their deepest needs, right? But No man or woman can ever fulfill your deepest needs. The only person that can fulfill that is God. And that's why people have so many issues in marriages because they marry someone expecting them to fulfill their deepest needs. That was that whole story behind the woman at the well where Jesus said, look, you're thirsty, come take a drink. And that's kind of an analogy for how we are. We're thirsty and we need something to, to quench this thirst. And so Jesus is talking to her and telling her, look, uh, I've got water to drink of, and you will never thirst again. And as he's conversating, a lot of people miss this. The next thing he said was, go get your husband. And so what he was after was the relationship issue. And then uh, he, she began to say, I have no husband. He said, you're right you've been in five relationships and the person that you're with right now is not your own what Jesus was trying to tell her and I hate to be churchy but it's just so such a powerful image no, good. is that is that you are you have been looking for a man to fulfill your needs and you haven't been able you've been thirsty and if you first and foremost allow me to fulfill your deepest needs then that is going to solve your relationship issue. And I think for men and for women, one of the biggest things is they don't allow Jesus to fulfill their deepest needs. They don't allow him. One of the things we have to understand is that people are unstable, people have issues, and people have problems. And when you get into a relationship, uh, whether you're, you're married or not married, when you begin to talk, it develops intimacy, and with that intimacy, what happens is your emotions actually begin to find a home in someone else mm. and they they rest there. It, be, it becomes a part of you. And that's the g- dangerous part, because when your emotions rest in someone else, when they're doing good, guess what? You're doing good. When they're doing bad, guess what? You're doing bad. So it becomes an emotional roller coaster uh, when you get into any type of, of intimate relationship Uh, whether you're saved or unsaved. And people, all of a sudden, they, they get uncomfortable with that. They go through many stressful situations because they become dependent on that person to fulfill their deepest needs. And no man or woman could ever fulfill your deepest needs. They can fulfill some of your needs, which they are supposed to, but your deepest need has to be fulfilled by God. And I guess it brings us back to the, the question of making sure that you've been made whole before you get into marriage. Mm. And I think that's one of the main issues why so many marriages fail is because people fall in love with this image and they, they have temporary needs met. And they think that that's the issue with them. And when they get to a place when they realize that this person cannot fulfill my deepest needs, then all of a sudden, they they fall out of the illusion of love and that's when they break apart. And and that breeds forth tragedy and heartache and also not only impacts them for the rest of their lives, but it also impacts the children that may have come forth out of that relationship. And so that's why I take relationships so very, very serious. And the purpose uh, of marriage is just very, very powerful to me. Is that making sense, Robert? It makes, it
1: makes perfect. Y'all tell me, does it make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. Um, So... And a lot of times uh, people are, especially in church, uh, people are discouraged to have sex prior to marriage. Right. So um, and that's that's kind of what has been the norm. That's kind of been the standard um, that there's no sex before marriage. But I don't really hear people talk about why um, there should why, why they should or they shouldn't have sex before marriage. Besides, you know, it being a sin. Um, but anybody who knows what uh, anybody who's been in a situationship and let me explain what a situationship is. A situationship okay. um, is any form of relationship or uh, connection with another person that you are not or the other party is not fully committed to. So a situationship could practically be um, you guys have been in an intimate relationship been having sex with each other but you don't plan on being on in a committed relationship or there's no marriage um, or a situation could be somebody who is on the verge of divorce, but before their divorce is final, they've wound up in an intimate relationship or in an emotional relationship with somebody else before the divorce is over. So they really can't marry um, situation is, is uh, another situation is friends with benefits. We all kind of know what that means. Um, is that you're sexually intimate with somebody prior to having anybody fully committed or somebody who is you are a side person you are the other person you are the side chick you are the side dude and you got you've caught feelings for the other person but because either they're married or they're dating or they don't want to be in a serious relationship now you've caught feelings and you're intertwined, you form some type of bond with this individual, but there's no sacrifice, there's no commitment, there's no fruit coming out of it. It's just, it is what it is. So Mm -hmm. those are, that's kind of what I define as a situationship. Now Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask the, and go back to my question. Why is it, do you, from your perspective, um, not only as a minister, but as a, As Also, I want to pull on your experience as a police officer. Um, Why is it important uh, for people to hold off, or is it important for people to hold off um, being sexually involved with someone else prior to marriage?
2: I would say absolutely, yes, it's dangerous. Let let me go from a law enforcement perspective. Um, Relationships are hard enough on adults. And I had to work for 10 years in a high school dealing with kids who have been inundated with sexual activity and what it did to them. And those relationships always end very, very badly. I've seen people drop out of school. I've seen people hurt one another. Um, it's very interesting, um, right now in this, this, this uh, quarantine period that we're in, this lockdown period, One of the the crimes that has ramped up is domestic violence. Um, You see the tragedies of how it ends very badly for people who have been involved sexually in the emotional attachments and the betrayals uh, of that and what it does to human beings. I remember maybe about uh, 20-some years ago having to talk with the brilliant young man who was um, heading to the Indiana State Prison And he came home and he found his wife in bed with another man and he killed her. He killed the man. And uh, just what he went through, how his life was ruined, um, what it did to his children and the impact of all those things. And, And you think about most of the dysfunctionalities, the hurts and the pains that people have are a result of people being in some type of sexual relationship that ended up ending and then going bad. And from a spiritual point of view, um, because I've dealt with deliverance uh, for many, many years, I've seen all type of things happen. I've seen um, people who have sexual sins or engage in sexual sins, they open themselves up to that, and they become addicted to to sex. They become addicted to pornography. They open themselves to all types of demonic activity by having sex. Um, And eventually, if they do end up finding the relationship that they want to settle down with for life, then there's always interference from the sexual partners that they've had in the past. There's always comparison. You, I, I've seen some deliverances take place where we literally had to cast out the images and the spirits of men or women on the inside of people because of the relationships that they've been in and they had an inability to truly love their spouse. So that's, that's a very, very uh, deep subject. From a practical standpoint, one of the the most heartbreaking things is to uh, come upon a person who has cheated on someone, been in a sexual relationship, and what it does to them, and they never recover. And it's just very, very harrowing for people. I I don't know if I answered your question or not. Okay. Um,
1: I think we have a question by someone. They said, um, as you were sharing about how you were raised to handle things, and get things done, and how there's a struggle with transparency. How do you fuse that type of mentality? Because that was how you were raised. And also the new school mentality of, it's okay to let your partner help you in doing things together rather than a one-man show, if that makes sense. And I'll answer part of that. Um, when my wife and I got together, all we had were uh, college degrees. We didn't have anything. We didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. And we knew when we got together, we had a general understanding that we were, whatever we were going to have, we were going to have to build it together. I think this is essential for those who may be looking to get in a relationship is that there has to be some level of understanding of who you are, where you are and where you want to go. Um, the mm-hmm. challenge is, and you have to be clear, crystal clear with this. Um, because if you're not, there are silent expectations. There are this baggage that comes in relationship, and if you're significant, and this is just the new school, my perspective, Dion, yours may be mm-hmm. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you are um in process of being in a relationship with somebody, even if you're pursuing marriage that there needs to be a general level of understanding of where you are and where you where you're going to go. For my wife, I we 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 knew we were broke. We knew that it this is what it was and we were willing to start there and build together. Now, that's just where we were. Now, that's not everybody's story. Some people believe that, you know, I need to have this certain amount of money in the bank. I need to have certain levels of security on this. I knew for me and my wife, you know, we had our degrees. That was the bottom, and we said, you know what? At least we have a foundation we could build on. Now, you know, we're at we're we're now officially coming into a place where we're like, okay, we're good, you know, or we're starting to come out of the hole that we were that we had to kind of dig ourselves and build ourselves out of. Yeah, what, what would you know? And the old school model and method was, you know what? The and this is this is just where I'm at. Um, mm-hmm. Deonna, I don't, you know, I'm not one for, you know, in 2020 to be like, yo, it's all on the man. It's all, it's all his responsibility. It's all, this is what he has to do. This is what he has to do. Um, now you tell me old school versus new school right now. Um, well, where are you at?
2: Okay. i have t- I've been on a journey and I'll try to describe that journey. Um, religion did a lot to me. And it made me misinterpret it, it made me misinterpret what God's will was for manhood and for marriage. Um, I also, you have to realize I come from the South and I had an image. My my mother, um, she was a good Southern woman. She cooked, cleaned the house, so forth and so on, was always there, always with the children. And my biblical understanding at that time, because I come out of old school holiness, oh, oh. and I I used to, yeah. We we have similar backgrounds. I come out of one Lord, one faith, one baptism. No earrings. For the first ten or so years, my wife only wore dresses, and uh, she wore no makeup. She wore no earrings. So I come out of that whole mentality, and the scripture that I used for marriage at that point was, "Wife, submit to your husband," not answering again. But uh, and as even as Sarah called abraham lord so that was my mentality not understanding what manhood really was or what being a husband was and um my wife we got to a point one day and i said uh why do you wear why do you wear dresses why do you do this she said because you told me to i said the lord never convicted you of that she said no so we had gone on a journey and my wife used to throw this scripture at me that submit one to another And I would reject that because I couldn't fathom that me having to submit to my wife in any shape, form or fashion in anything, because I'm the man. This is how it is. And believe it or not, that shaped a lot of Christian men at that time is that view. And I've journeyed to a different place where I no longer believe that I see my wife as an equal. Uh, My wife um, has the ability Um, To everything that we do now is together. We co-own everything, which includes our money, includes the decision-making process. She is equal with me, and I didn't have that mentality at the beginning. At the end of the day, if we have some contention or a disagreement, she'll ultimately defer to me at that point. But this is after a discussion, this is after a talk, and this is after um, um, an understanding hearing her side of view. And I had to journey to that point and now the, the way I perceive my wife is that she is a gift unto me. I see her totally different. In my heart, I'm set on the fact that this is my wife for life. That's my posture. And anything that tries to separate me from this woman is an enemy um, unto me. And that's the, that's the position that I have. That my wife and I will be married for life. And so the, the the journey has been interesting. And one of the primary things that I've learned is that men and women have to journey together um, because each one of uh, each one of them have different experiences, and every time you go into a personal experience, it it changes you and you become another person. Especially if you're a businessman or you're working all the time or you're traveling all the time, every time you go into one of these uh, uh, venues, it changes you, and if you're not careful to articulate to your spouse, the changes in your heart, you could literally disappear from their sight and you become a person. They married this type of person you become a totally different person. And so I think that the ability to journey together is very, very important. And when I was talking about transparency, it was it was forbidden for uh, I'm transparent with my wife, but it was forbidden to talk about this to other people. You just handle things on your own. And I think I've had to grow from that. You're, you've challenged me to do that. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, yo, This is this is yo, this is real good.
2: This is. Yeah. But that. Yeah. That journey thing is incredible, though, though, Robert. A lot of people uh, end up disappearing from the sight of their spouse. Because they have all these experiences, especially if you're a businessman, you're going and you're going, you're meeting different people. And then all of a sudden home becomes a place that's very foreign to you. And a lot of times people break up because they don't know how to share their experiences and share their hearts. So,
1: you know, uh, first of all, I want to say I wish I would, ma'am. I married I married Jackie Marshall and she wasn't going. I, I actually grew up the same background, holiness. Now, I still love a woman in a hat and in some slingback shoes and my wife wasn't going. Uh, And so she's like, you know, I'm not wearing that. I'm not doing that. That's not who I am. And I still tried to make her become somebody that she was never created to be. And I think that caused some real issues in the beginning of our marriage because I wanted her to be somebody that I had. I had a vain imagination. I had a thought pattern i had an idol that i wanted her to become and i'm realizing i did not marry that idol i did not marry that image so i then had to put that kill that image kill that idol so that my wife could be free to be all of who she was created to be and anybody who knows my wife she's amazing she's a boss um i think that there's nobody like her she's she's amazing she's one of a kind Type of person. I heard you. I hope you hear me, boo. Um, she's a one. She's a one of a kind type of person. And one of the things that you talked about, Dion, that I'm really committed to um, is that. And that any man that I've had on the show, we always we always talk about. My working definition of what it means to be a man is to be committed to the process of becoming. I really believe that authentic manhood is not. Uh, a end. There's not really an end. It, there's. It's a journey. It's and it's a commitment to the journey. And I just appreciate. I appreciate your transparency and you talking about you know this journey. So if there's a man that's out there, or there's somebody who is dating a uh, uh, who's dating or who's looking um, to potentially be married one day. Yo, the woman. Listen, you have to be, get in the place where you accept and you. Um, you accept who that person is for who they are and not try to change them to become who you desire them to be. Your girl is not going to be Beyonce. She's not going to be, um, all these other images that you talked about, Dion, especially as men, because, um, a lot of, if you look at statistics, Dion, there's a lot of men who are addicted to porn. There's a lot of men who are exposed to sexual images all the time. And what we do is we create um, this ideal partner in our head and we contend with that image that sets up and whoever we date, we compare them to that image. So the first thing that we as men see, for we, you know, we're stimulated by sight. So we automatically see somebody that's beautiful and our minds start going, OK, this looks like the image. And then when we start becoming intimate as far as conversation, okay, this sounds like the image. And then if sexual, you know, even in marriage, marriage sexually, when you have as a man been inundated by different images, and especially if you've ever struggled or dealt with pornography, um, you then have to contend and you want your wife or your significant other to perform the acts that you have seen um, and this then creates a stronghold in your marriage and it cheapens intimacy. I'ma be really transparent. My wife one day told me, Dion, she said, I think she said, I don't know if you know what romance is. Because she said to me, she said, I think your uh your past has tainted your understanding of what it means to be romantic. And I'm explaining that for me as a man. I thought, you know, I go, I run, you know, I see my wife. I tell my wife I love her every day, which is cool. But then, you know, I grab her booty from here or there or, you know, I touch her somewhere if we walk her by, good. you know, and those are great. And I'm thinking like, okay, bet. This is, this, this is my way of being affectionate. This is my way of being intimate. And my wife, and this may not be everybody's wife, my wife said to me, she said, yo, you make me feel like a hoe when that's all that there is she's like, yo, I'm, I'm not a hoe. I'm, I'm your wife. I'm a woman, I'm a lady and I want to be treated. So then I had to sit down with her and, and actually delve into, well, what does it mean to be, what, what is romance to you? What is intimacy with you? She said, well, she, and she said to me, she's like, you know, you you know, before you were married, you know, you had sexual experiences. My wife was a virgin when we got married And so she's like, I don't like all of that. I don't, you know, I don't like all of that. She said, it's all good in its place. But if that's all you're going to give me and then you want me to give it up or you want me, you know, to be so enthralled with you sexually, then you're going to have to do a little bit more than just touch my booty or, you know, whatever, you know, those things look like to you. Um, And so I was like, okay, so now I'm realizing I need to be, I need to be able to stimulate her mind. I need to be able to stimulate her heart, show her that I care. Even small things, taking out the trash. Oh, my God. Stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, taking out the trash. And then I remember us having a conversation about the small little things about how women want or uh, women want to be, uh, feel secure. They want things to be fixed. They want, uh, and if you could highlight, and because you have a way of saying this, Um, Mm -hmm. can you highlight that?
2: Well, you, you, you've, you've hit on so many points. Um, and women from my perspective are, they, they are emotional first. They're emotionally driven first. Men are physically driven first. And, and in, in our immaturity, we just want to go right in to home base, but that's an incorrect thing to do. As you get older, as you mature, it, it's not about the sex, but it's about the the trueness of love. I truly love my wife. And as as much as I enjoy the the sexual activity... Go ahead, say that word I, again. Sexual activity.
1: Because, sex, sex. yeah, you yeah. still? <laughs> I, I, I,
2: I, I, we, my wife and I, I'm 55 years old. She's 52. And to be honest with you, we have some very explosive sexual encounters. Okay, why I hope you she's do not that? listening. It's do explosive. Why, but why did you, you do that? Let me tell you why. This? Let me tell you why. It doesn't start at that moment, it starts with everyday life. I have to be careful with how I use my words. I cannot sin against my wife with my words because once I use my words against her harshly, it shuts her down and she begins to cover her most intimate parts, which is her heart and her emotional realm and it takes some time to open that thing up. So I cannot sin against my wife. I constantly flirt with my wife. I cover my wife. I protect my wife. I provide for my wife. I treat her like the queen that she is on a consistent basis, and it's authentic. It's nothing fake or or anything false. And that opens her heart up. And when we do have physical encounters, it makes it that much more better for her because I value her as a person And I love her as a person and not just some physical item or a physical specimen. And it really does something. I think that's been one of the keys for me is to love who she is as a person and, and and give her honor and to serve her and to respect her. You know, I was really dismantled when I heard the scripture that, that men love your wives as Christ loved the church and died for it. Mm. So, how do I die to myself, my, my selfish needs to make sure that my wife has life? What, do I, what must I become? And I, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of the issues stem from the root of the problems. You talked about some of the sexual problems, but I think there's a root to it that people miss or overlook. Why do people go to pornography? Why do people look elsewhere? Why do people cheat in relationships? the act is not the main problem. There's something else beneath the surface that has not been dealt with that causes a person to go to that. We'll focus on the the infidelity. We'll focus on the masturbation. We'll focus on the pornography, but it's a much deeper issue. There's a lot of uh, voids that exist on the inside of us that have never been dealt with, and that's what makes it dangerous in a relationship when you have undealt with issues prior to getting married, and that's why... Before you get married, you really need to go through a process. You really need to have. uh, I'm I'm a a big advocate of having counseling um, first and foremost, so that you can get to understand yourself, and then you can properly love other people. But that's been a a big secret for me is the way that I treat my wife. I, I I constantly date my wife. I constantly flirt with my wife. We'll go to the movies. I'll take her here. I'll take her there. My wife doesn't make groceries. I'll go make groceries. That's a Southern term, make groceries. But I do groceries. I enjoy it. And th- th- w- another thing that I wanted to say, Robert, is every marriage has to be customizable. You know, everyone comes out of a situation, they have an image. And a lot of times men try to make women their mother. They're looking, looking for their mother. And, and when they don't get their mother, they get frustrated. But you, every man has their own purpose. And just like Adam was given a garden and a context, and he was given resources to fulfill what God had given him to do, and then when Eve um, was joined with him together, they took that world and they built it. The same thing it is with marriage, it's customizable. Things that work for me may not work for you and Jackie. And that's where dialogue has to come in and, and shared responsibility, shared life. And we've got to get to the point first where we realize we've been shaped. We've been uh, grooved in a certain manner to think a certain way. And then you bring another person into the picture who thinks an entirely different way. It's cool for the first six months, but afterwards you got to live life and you find out that you are a very, very different person. And that's where you have to sit down, um, come up with a strategy, come up with a plan, um, come up with an agreement on this is how we do things. You know, when we used to do marriage counseling, We used to have them sign contracts. We'd have them look at their credit. We'd have them look at their preference, their sexual preferences, how many kids they want. They'd have to discuss all these things before they got married and some of the things that they would never even think about. But I've seen those marriages last the test of time because they dealt with their issues before they said that I do.
1: So it sounds like a lot of work goes into marriage. So why would any dude want to get married?
2: Why would anyone get want to get married? Why would any
1: specifically and and because this is the I M M podcast, um, our audience, you know, we we speak to everybody, but our audience is, um, you know, is predominantly men. So if if men if if I have to do all this work, mm-hmm. to to not only get a get you know to get somebody and to keep somebody, it sounds like. There's a lot of work. Why would I even want to entertain being married?
2: Well I, well, I can only speak for me. For For me, it was falling in love and recognizing the purpose that was in my life, that this was a portion that was given unto me. I At this point, I can't imagine not having the wife that I have. And I've told my wife, if something, God forbid, ever happened to her, I would never remarry. It just wouldn't feel right for me. This is my wife for life, and and on this end of it, on I'm in the third, fourth quarter of my life. It has been the most beautiful part of my life. It's given me companionship, the my deepest and dearest friend um, in the entire world. Um, I, I wouldn't have made it sometimes without her. Uh, you know, the whole principle of two is better than one is very, very true. I I think together that we're a force in the earth that just increased the weight and the productivity. And it, it, it was a great asset to me in every shape, form, or fashion. I couldn't imagine doing this alone or by myself. That's just, I'm not built that way. I have, I think God put on the inside of me to be married for my particular situation. And for me, it's just been the most wonderful experience in the world. I don't regret one day of my marriage. I'm as much in love with my wife today as I was in the beginning, if not more. I, I tell her all the time, my love increases for her. Sure, we have our, our issues. We have, uh, and we don't argue, but we do have moments of intense fellowship. <laughs> so <laughs> you take that how you want. But uh, for, for me, I couldn't imagine not being married. I would never want to do life by myself. And she just completes me. And I, I just honestly and truly love her. And I, I'm thankful that God put her in my life.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that she put, he put, she put, he put her in your life because he she, put her, he, yes. yeah, I'm glad that he put her because she definitely is. You really better.
0: enjoying this. I, I'm loving it. You, you have
1: no clue um, of how, uh, and you guys who are listening and watching, you guys have to know I'm enjoying this because Dion, he's, a, he bullies me sometimes. And so I now, um, and and I say it like this, but I say it jokingly. Um, I think as a man, you have to have somebody in your life who who can check you, and who can check you, and who can um, who can, and what I what I mean by check you, you have to have someone in your life who is willing to challenge you, who is willing to provoke growth, who's willing to say, "Hey, yo, you need to fix that." Um, and I think a lot of men in my generation. Um, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily like that because, um, we, one, many of us have never even had a genuine father in our, you know, in our voice. And so
2: they're used to being mother and it's confusing when a real man comes into someone's life because they're used to being mother.
1: So well, now what do you mean by that?
2: That most men just grew up with, with, uh, their moms, to be honest with you. And it's a different dynamic. And when a, a man comes into their life, it's almost offensive to them a way a man talks to them because they're used to the motherly dimension. You need a motherly dimension. We, we don't minimize that. But most men have a difficult time with having men who, who make them accountable because most men have no accountability whatsoever. And, you know, with you, I was rough on you and, and I had to be for your configuration because of the voids that you had in your life, Robert. You, um, how do I say this? you, your identity wasn't secure. When I first met her, I said, look at this brilliant young man, absolutely brilliant, but you were so full of insecurities. And as a mentor to you, one of the things I understood, my ultimate goal is not to get you to depend upon me because you were looking for someone to affirm you. My job was to get you to the point where you understood who you are, to use my words, to speak into your life and say, Robert, this is who God called you to be but not lead you to dependency upon me, lead you to dependency upon God. And that's why I was strategic over about a three-year period where I would engage you on a limited basis. But when you call and have something and you want me to answer it for you, I wouldn't do it on purpose because I wanted you to start seeking God and understanding that you knew God. And when the time was right, I'd come back in and, and give you advice and counsel. And that was my way of saying, Robert, First and foremost, if I'm going to mentor you, you're not going to depend on me. You're going. To, I'm going to lead you to the true source, my source, which is uh, our Father in Heaven. And I think that your development has been very notable, and people can see who you've become, the confidence you've become. Because I didn't lead you to myself; I led you to God. And I think that men lead those type of mentors because you end up in a lot of freaky, wrong, dysfunctional situations when you end up with a mentor who wants you to become their servant or their slave. That's not mentorship. That's that's being a slave. And, and in the church in particular, it rubs me the wrong way when I see these so-called fathers and they got a bunch of minions running around that are just duplicates of themselves. That's the wrong type of mentorship. That's not fatherhood in any shape, form, or fashion. A real father will lead the son to depend upon God the Father and not to depend upon himself and allow him to grow Foster him, resource him, give him all the tools that he needs so that he ends up better than the father.
1: I have no yeah. other, I have nothing else to say, but hell yeah, I agree. Okay. I, you I, I, I,
2: like we used to say, that's in the Bible. Stop I, cussing yeah. me. Baby. That's not good. <laughs> you I know, know this is uh, I am hey, listen, podcast, but cut that out.
1: Listen, man. I hear you. I hear you. But that's, it's it's really, it's really, that's actually really good because I think for, um, Like I said, for brothers who are looking for direction, who want to engage a woman, but never have had never have seen. I think for even part of my story, I never saw what a healthy relationship looked like. And so therefore, when it was time for me to gauge my wife, I, it, you know, part of the pushback was and was I've never seen this before. I'm still trying to figure me out as a man. So, well, mm-hmm. you know, how can I be a good husband when I, now I have a kid? Now I have three children. How do I become an even better father? Um, did you, have,
2: you hit it? You've hit it. You've hit the. You've hit the. The hole right there is that men need to be developed first and foremost. Yeah, and if you don't have a father, put yourself in a position to be dealt with. That's one of the greatest things that you could do. Is is put yourself voluntarily in an environment of definition, yeah? Mm. A place where you can be defined by God. And that's why I love men's groups. Men are some of the most underserved people in the entire world. Nobody really deals with men, and men have to be put into an environment of definition so that God can tell them who they are that makes the biggest difference in the world. You know, Jesus identified so many principles. He makes this statement, a house, a city, and a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And in that statement, he identifies three levels of the kingdom, the house level, the city level, and the kingdom level. Apostle Paul said, how can a man build the house of the Lord except he rule his own house well? So the priority in the kingdom of God is the ability to first and foremost deal with your own self and allow your core being to be made whole. And it's a beautiful foundation that causes everything else built upon that to work. But when you have a faulty foundation, when you have a crack in the foundation, when that thing is not strong, then it filters into every aspect of your life and you become an unstable little boy trying to be a man. And that's why it's so important to take the time to get developed. And that's why I love this platform. You know, and even as we go further into the future, men need to be a part of this so they can begin to understand who they are. They need voices in their life that are authoritative and can begin to dismantle everything that the enemy have said to them that they're struggling with. Our words are very, very powerful. And one of the things that men do, a real father is able to impart and begin to write on the tablets of men's heart and tell them who they are. And that's one of the most misunderstood dynamics of being a man is to have another man speak into your life, and begin to write who you are and embed it on, onto your internal person and until you become what you have said. And that's very missing in this generation.
1: Um, there's one thing that I want to hit on with relationship, especially with men, and this is for men and for women. Um, I want to kind of put this out there. Don't ever get in a relationship in hopes that the person that you're getting a relationship with is going to fix you. Right. Uh I think a lot of times men, um, not, and I think both men and women do this. I think women sometimes find people and they they get, uh, you know, they call them fixer uppers. I can change him. I can, you know, I can I can change him. And then men is like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm gonna get her because I can come up. She's she's the come up. So how do you speak to people? Um, and how will you? How do? How can you encourage people to, to not do that? I'll say it like that. It's simple. How how can you encourage people to to deal with self first? To deal with self first before they try to get in a relationship or a situationship. Or maybe you're in a situationship right now and you're like, how in the world do I get out of it? How do I handle it? How what 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 do you say to them, Dion? Uh,
2: well, f- for me, if if in particular if you're married and you're in a relationship with someone else while you're married. Um, you, this whole Christian thing can be such a facade at times. And we we some of your most deceptive people are found within the church realm who have gifts and they use them deceitfully to pray on certain ones. Either they'll pray on men, they'll pray on women, uh, because they have gifts, they can see what they need, and they use that to ultimately get what they want. And I, I think having dialogue like what we're having tonight and emphasizing the need to uh, be made whole first and foremost, that whole dynamic, uh, once we look at the horror stories. When you begin to bring on men who have gone through some things and been through harrowing experiments, women's who's, women whose hearts have been broken, who uh, actually hate men right now now because of all the things that men have done. There are some women that are listening right now that just don't trust men. They're listening to figure out, you know, what's wrong. And, thinking that there's something wrong with them. It is imperative that we deal with ourselves first and foremost. And and that's why we got to go back to the basics. You know, one of the things for me, Robert, is that I'm called to build foundations. And that foundation of wholeness in people has to be first and foremost. That's the true essence of the apostolic is to lay a foundation. Once the correct foundation is laid on the inside of a person, it causes you not to be deceived. It causes you to make good, solid, stable decisions so that you understand you can see the wolf before they come. So that's my perspective on that. Well,
1: mm-hmm. that's, 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 dude,
2: that's, 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 that's deep. Yeah. It's interesting in the world, I, it, it, before I got saved, my gifts were in operations. I used to see things, have visions. I could read people like that. And I would use that discernment. I can look at a woman. I see architecture and structure inside of a person. And within five to 10 minutes, I can tell you what's going on with them and how they're made. I've always had that ability. I would use that ability to construct a strategy on how I would get the next woman, how I would get her. I would look at where she's void, where her void's at, what she's thirsty for, and I would develop a pattern and I would be patient with it until i got what i wanted yeah now now when i got saved that same gift that i have when i wasn't saved i began to use it to minister to both men and women rather than take advantage of it for myself and and that comes with me being converted if not converted then that gift that we have turns into a dangerous and evil weapon and i think that's one of the biggest issues is that people have come to salvation without being gutted on the inside. They built Christ on top of who they've always been and never taken the time to get all their guttings to be rehabbed and all that stuff out of them, first and foremost. You're not ready to get married. You're not ready to get married until you go through your personal process.
1: Well, I I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. So, Dion, because we've been at this for a while and we can talk all the time. We can talk all night. Uh, I I have a question for you. For one of the questions that I get the most um is from for men, how do you know when you found the right one? How do you know that that this is this is it? Is there is there some some big light? Is there some, you know, what what happens?
2: Mm-hmm. Let me say this first and foremost. Get this image out of your mind that you there's a soulmate out there for you. It's not true. There's no such thing as a soulmate. Marriage is a choice. Now, I had a set of things that I wanted before I was saved, and then in salvation through multiple counseling sessions with couples, it is absolutely a choice. And I think that God allows you to marry who you want to marry, when he pulls the trigger. So I don't think that there's just one person out there for you that this perfect person that you're waiting for. It's not that you have to make a decision and then God will either back that decision or he'll let you know. And I think that people have to get to that point. You've got to know, and that first and foremost, we go back to, to the primary thing is getting delivered yourself because the more pure your heart is, the clearer your sight is. Your heart affects your ability to see things correctly. Mm. If you're still dealing with a lot of issues, it's going to affect your sight. And so as we keep uh, hammering that point down, it's important for you to get delivered and go through a process and some levels of maturity, and you still have some blind spots. But marriage is an absolute choice. You choose who you want. But, and just like anything else in life, you wait for God to pull the trigger. Now, there's some people, guys, like, no, you stay away from them. But it's not like God is is somehow magically going to bring this person from Italy and supernaturally bring them here. Not saying he can't do that, but it's still a choice. You have a choice to marry who you want, and you need to choose well. And once you come to that point, you have to see the end before the beginning. And, And my purpose is everything to me. The future is everything to me. So I'm making decisions right now based upon my future. My wife was God allowed me to marry her. I, I, when we when I got saved, I said I'm done, and then God brought her back and He, he stayed with her. I said, "This can I marry her?" He gave me to go ahead and boom, I did it. And it was about my future uh, more than anything else. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So
1: what what do you now? What do you mean about what do you? And I, okay, well let me say it like this: um, when you, I I'm the same way. I do not believe that there is this 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 magical person who is just solely put on earth for you. I believe you choose who you are who you're going to marry. And mm-hmm. I've said it like this, you choose who you're going to get married to, you prepare yourself for that marriage and be willing to deal with and work through whatever that relationship um deals essentially. Correct. Um, right. and, and I don't talk to churchy, but this is why one of the reasons why I personally don't um, necessarily prophesy about marriage is because I or relationships, because I personally think people get in relationships with people who they want to get in relationships with Go and on. they can make work whatever they want to make work. It doesn't That's matter. Correct. Heaven and hell can be pro or against it. And if that person wants to be with that person, they can choose to be there and deal with whatever issues comes with that. So I believe I I totally uh agree with you on that Deon. Right,
2: right. Go ahead. And that's bibli- that's biblical what you said. Remember Apostle Paul was was talking uh about a woman and a man and somewhere in the relationships they were both unsaved, the female got saved and Paul told her, "Hey, if he be pleased to de- to dwell with you, don't put her away." Don't put them away if they're or the female. Don't put them away if you're in a situation where you've been unsaving. You get saved and they're not saved. Hey, if you if they're pleased with you, they understand what you're doing. Don't put them away. So he understood there would be situationships that we'd have to deal <laughs> with. <laughs> situationships.
1: Yo, somebody hashtag situationships. Listen, I Deon, I could talk to you all night. Um, Dion, what is one thing as we get ready to wrap this thing up, what is one thing that you want to leave um, with men who are who are maybe in marriage, maybe they're in a situationship, maybe they're single? What is a nugget from out of your life, a, a, a declaration or a principle that you've decided to live by in order for you to become the man that you are
2: today? I I think ultimately it's a genuine and authentic relationship with the father. We can talk salvation, but not be serious about it. We can be playing with it. I think the change in my life was out of a desire to really want to fully give my life to God. And it's like I had an awakening. And I think we all grew through through stages of awakening. But I think the most important thing is our relationship with God and wanting to please him. Out of pleasing, wanting to please God, everything else has to come in alignment with that. And that, to be honest with you, that's been the driving factor in my life. I'm at a point where I will do things that I don't even want to do but those are the things that are ordained by God for me to do. You know, a lot of people take the scripture, God will give you the desires of your heart, but the first thing that he changes is your heart. And he says, set your affection on things above and not below. And so this desire to please God with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, I really, really love God truly. And there's a fear that comes over me when I think about the responsibility of stewarding uh, my family, my wife, everything that he's given me. And I think that is the most important thing. And God has been faithful to me. You know, one day we'll have a conversation. And in these 27 years, I'll tell you some of the stories about what has happened to me that, and what has happened to my children that almost broke me and put me on my knees. And I thought it was over. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't even believe it. But what God has done because I made a choice to live for him fully. And if I would leave anyone with that advice, be real and be serious with God. Don't play with him. Men in particular, they minimize their life before God. They don't realize how important they are to the ecology of the kingdom of God in the earth. God leaps over walls to find a righteous man. And I'll leave you with this point. You got to think about it. Even in the days of Noah, Um, God looked at the world, he was displeased with them, but he found Noah and he used Noah's marriage, Noah's family to recreate and bring things back in order because he loves men so much. He was willing to destroy everyone. But because he found a standard in the earth, he used that man to bring everything back to its original intention. And men don't understand the power that they possess. And that's why men are disenfranchised. They're minimized. Because of the power, heaven's response, that heaven realms, dark, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light responds to a man who was living for God. That was the whole case with Job. Men can live in, in such a way that the enemy and God will have a conversation about them in the heavenly realms because of the way they live. And men don't understand how powerful a correct life that they live before God is. I know for myself, that there is nothing withheld for me as long as I obey God.
0: The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.